It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. I'm Fox News Root Baraj, and welcome to the Let It Rip podcast. On this, the January 19th edition of Let It Rip, we talked about the Supreme Court Justice's choice for a clerk and how it brought up the topic of returning citizens. We tackle that, plus Biden's boxes in his Delaware home. What's the difference between him and Trump when it comes to those classified documents? Let's let it rip. Tonight on Let It Rip, classified questions. Prior to an election, they kept it secret. At no time did he get raided by the FBI. At no time did they come forward and say who was there could actually see these documents that are sitting in the garage. The difference between him and Donald Trump is Donald Trump took classified documents, lied about it, prevented the National Archives and the DOJ from getting it back, and then alerted the public through social media that the raid was happening. The former president and current president, both under a microscope, both accused of mishandling classified documents, are panel weighs in on the similarities and differences between both Trump and Biden's cases and what should happen from here. But first, how would law enforcement feel? How would the prosecution feel if they know that one of the key members, again, that's involved in the determination of their case shot at them? We are better together. And we are better than those words that came out of his mouth. A controversial comment. A clerk resigns. An apology made, but the drama still going on in our state's highest court. Is this a distraction for the important work the Michigan Supreme Court is doing? And what does it mean for people looking to re-enter society after serving their time? Time now to let it rip, and we have a lot of big stories to cover tonight. The controversial comments made by Justice Bernstein getting a lot of traction on their own, but it also raises bigger questions about convicted felons returning back to society. Joining us tonight, political and communication strategist Jason Cable Rowe and Washington County Prosecutor Ali Savitt, who also clerked for Supreme Court Justices Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And as always, our anchor and attorney, Charlie Langton, is with us as well. And uh, Charlie, I'm on my second cup of coffee. How many for you? <laughs> Seven. Seven. That makes, that's about right. But, you know, we, it's going to take a lot of coffee to get through uh, how this has affected so many people because the comments that were made by Justice Bernstein, uh, by all means, were controversial. The Detroit News, uh, he tells them, hey, you know, I don't know if this guy uh, should actually be doing this job. Uh, and in the process, he steps down, this clerk. How much damage, Jason, did that do uh, to returning citizens and that cause? Well, I don't think it affected them at all, quite frankly. I think this was a political stunt by a, a justice who, quite frankly, uh, Paul Martins, the clerk you're referring to, is probably more qualified to be on the bench than she is. Um, this was a political appointment of a politician. She came out of the state legislature. She has a very thin resume. She's in her mid-30s, and so I think that this was a political move on her part. She wanted to be provocative. She got a provocative response. And I think the reality is we've seen this movie before. A Democrat stands up, speaks the truth, goes against the woke mob. The woke mob rears its head, scares them back into their hovel, and I think that's what you're seeing now is him retreating because of the response but Jason, from progressives. But Jason had this man had Mr. Myrtle, Myrtle didn't, if he didn't step down 
and he just said, I'm sticking with it, and nothing else happened, this would have gone away. So that's not really a stunt, is it? Well, I think it was a stunt that she made the decision to name him in the first place. I mean, listen, I, I think we all want people that are coming out of the system to move on with their lives, particularly when they you know, make amends and serve their time and do those things. And he obviously has an impressive uh, commitment to turning his life around. That doesn't necessarily mean he should be a clerk on the highest court in the state. There are plenty of places that he can go for that. I think this was calculated on her part to be provocative, and it was basically to taunt law enforcement and folks that are, are deal with the courts. We know that this person has worked for the state uh, appellate uh, defender's office. He has a law degree from Wayne State University, a model citizen, Ellie Sabat, after uh, having his experience in 1994, robbing, shooting at police. The issue at stake here was the fact that this is a person who shot at police, went to jail because of it, and now is clerking cases that could influence that. Do you see a connection there? Yeah, so I first want to respond to some of the uh, things that were said about Justice Bolden. You know, Justice Bolden was appointed by the governor. She barely lost in the general election. Uh, many, many Michiganders wanted her on the high court. And look, she has experience that I think is sorely needed uh, on the court. She's been in the legislature. She understands how the legislative process works. And, you know, you talk about the woke mob. Uh, there was another justice that was appointed to another court by none other than Ronald Reagan named Sandra Day O'Connor that had a very similar experience to Justice Bolden, so she absolutely deserves to be there. She's a brilliant lawyer, uh, and I'm sure she's going to do great things on the court. I do want to talk... O'Connor got a lot of heat for her lack of experience or her thin resume, but a lot of the conservatives at the time were saying, hey, but she give had, this woman a shot. She had this guy Much, much later, but a historic <laughs> appointment. She served uh, ably, on, she served ably <laughs> on the court uh, for a number of years, and by the way, if we're going to talk about judicial appointments and appointing very young judges, uh, I think that former President Trump, who appointed, you know, basically 30-some odd well, younger than me, that's fair enough, but you brought it up. You brought Supreme it up. Court with you? a 35-year-old who has barely lived enough, I think, to have the experience uh, to, President, to serve. But, but President Jason. Trump appointed a 32-year-old recent law school grad to a federal district court in Florida. So, so let's we, uh, what, not we, also, we also understand <laughs> the importance of having representation on the court here mm -hmm. in the state of Michigan. And there as well. are plenty and of qualified black ignored. jurists all around the state. But they got passed over I wanna, for someone I want to redirect the conversation back to where I was at. Mr. Martel, law degree from Wayne State University, model citizen, basically does something wrong where obviously he paid the price, but my my question to you is, when you shoot at a police officer and you go to jail for a crime that involved that, are you qualified to be a clerk on the Michigan Supreme Court? So broadly speaking, uh, and I've learned uh, very early on not to get involved with the hiring decisions of judges and certainly not of justices. But I think we need to focus on what the criminal legal system is supposed to be set up to do. We need to protect public safety. There needs to be accountability. But then also we want to promote rehabilitation and we want somebody to come out the other side after they've paid their debt to society and be able to succeed and be able to thrive that is what the justice system is set up to do. Now, of course, there are certain things that you know you can do and certain jobs that that's going to disqualify you for. Nobody wants somebody that's been convicted of child abuse, for example, being a kindergarten teacher. But broadly speaking, if you have done the work, if you've done the hard work, 
served your time and are ready, willing, able uh, to get a job, to uh, contribute to society in that way, that old criminal record shouldn't be holding you back. And I want to note this too. We really shoot ourselves in the foot in terms of public safety when we place this stigma on people and deny them access to jobs, housing, and education. This is much bigger than one clerk on the Michigan Supreme Court because the biggest predictors of whether somebody is going to recidivate, housing, jobs, and education, those are the very things that a criminal record prevents somebody Char from having. Charlie, uh, our legal analyst, I want to bring you into the fold here. A clerk, is that person in an influence to is that person in a position to influence or hurt a case because they're clerking a case and they have some kind of a prejudice or some kind of a, a pass that has to do with a police officer? Yes, I think that they, if the question is whether or not a clerk has an influence on a judge or a justice in this case, the answer is yes, they do. Because judges and justices pick people that will make them influence, that challenge them, that write with them or work with them. Uh, but I agree here that I don't think Outside people should be, uh, should have an opinion necessary on the people I hire. If it's my staff, it's judge me, not my staff. And I think that that's the issue here. But I think the bigger picture here, we do want to encourage people to get through the system, rehabilitate themselves, and do whatever they think is possible to succeed. It's good for the whole system to have someone in there uh, that has been through the system. Actually, yeah, I can see a plus, actually, that somebody had, understands the rehabilitative system. Because those cases do come up before the court as well. And so someone that's got that experience possibly could influence the justice to make that decision. Well, and Mr. Martell, we understand that not only did he, after leaving prison, try to advocate for people who also were stuck in jail about the conditions and legal issues that they face and availability of legal help, he really did work for that. When you take a look at this, Jason, uh, again, and I'm repeating the question, but I want to get not an answer about what you think about the justice, mm -hmm. but what do you think about this guy? When, when he steps down and quits because of the Detroit News article, does that hurt? other returning citizens watching right now who are saying, hey man, I just want a fair shot. Does it, is no, that a huge step back? You know, first of all, it, it put a lot of attention on the whole idea of people um, trying to re-enter society in a productive way. So I, I would argue it might have even assisted. I just, again, I don't think this was the place to necessarily make that political statement. I think there's other ways that we can do that. And you know, we're in this world where every time someone is aggrieved in whatever shape or form, we tried to broadly extrapolate this on how this is some huge societal impact. This is one individual, one political appointment that frankly I think went too far and was too provocative and got a provocative political response because that's what it, it invited uh, in this situation. So what happens moving forward when somebody else who has a past criminal record steps up or with perhaps a, a justice who has a heck of a lot more experience, someone that you think is more deserving of the position, and the same thing happens? What happens to that person because of this precedence? Well, again, it's the Supreme Court. I think there's plenty of other levels of courts, state and federal, where this would be perfectly appropriate. I just think the symbolism of the Supreme Court, probably more than the substance of what um, you know he might do in terms of influencing, is what I think is at debate here. We're talking about law enforcement. We're talking. I mean, this was a direct affront to law enforcement. Anyone that doesn't see this as a play to ask, poke them, I think, is missing. Well, let me ask. Let me change the topic. Let me just. If Mr. Martell ran for Supreme Court and got elected, would that make any difference at all? Sure, he was selected by the voters. And you'd be okay with I that? I would be perfectly fine with but that. But that person's yeah. not compromised because they shot at an officer Well, that's going to be up to the voters to determine. We choose our leaders. And in this case, if that's who we choose, that's who we choose. It's one of the reasons I left California. 
Ellie, what's the line? What's the line in which someone is compromised who's a returning citizen to be able to get back in? You talked about the kindergarten example, but in a court system, what is there a line? Well, you know, again, you have to look at the particulars of what they did and the job that they're seeking if we're talking about excluding folks from employment. So, you know, I can give other examples, right? Uh, somebody like Bernie Madoff probably should have never been in charge of anybody's money sure. again, right? Um, but the way I look at it is if you're talking about somebody that's done their time, that has become rehabilitated, that is otherwise qualified for a position, uh, you should have a good reason for why they shouldn't be hired. You should be able to articulate what exactly the danger is. Uh, and I you know, articulated a couple of examples there. If not, if you're just placing this categorical bar on people, think about the message that we are sending. We're sending a message that, look, it doesn't matter how hard you work, it doesn't matter if you do become rehabilitated, right? Uh, there's still going to be those doors that you cannot open by virtue of your past. So I'd look at it uh, really as a case-by-case -case basis, looking at the particulars of what that person was convicted of and if that can have any real influence on their ability to do that. Without naming names, can you give examples uh, to me of other clerks that have clerked for high-profile judges that have had criminal records in the past? Uh, oh, oh, absolutely, and I'll give you a name because this has been public. Uh, Sean Hopwood clerked for Janice Roger Rogers Brown, you may know the name, very conservative judge on the D.C. Circuit, which is generally thought of as the second highest court in the land, uh, second only to the United States Supreme Court. Sean Hopwood was a convicted bank robber, right? Uh, he served a prison sentence, and behind bars he studied law and became a jailhouse lawyer and got not one but two petitions granted by the United States Supreme Court, which is something that most lawyers never do in their career. He got out, he went to law school, he did well, he was hired by a very conservative judge uh, on the D.C. Circuit, uh, and now he's a professor at Georgetown Law School. Wait a minute, Jason, so if the shoe's on the other foot and it's a conservative, and it seems like someone who would get along very well with Paul Martell mm -hmm. and have a lot of stories to exchange, would you agree with that decision? Uh, if listen, you were in I don't care what flavor it is. I mean, I, I feel the same no matter the circumstance. Now, again, I think because it's the Supreme Court, I take a little bit different view when it comes to the Supreme but Court. But the case in Washington in the with case, that bank robber who was convicted. Yeah, and I don't know if he, if he shot at police in that situation. I think that's part of the problem here is we got a guy who pointed a gun at police officers and pulled the trigger. I think the other thing that we're kind of missing here is the court is there to serve the people that it, it governs over as one of the three branches of government. It doesn't serve as a halfway house for convicted felons. We have to remember what it's there to do. Again, I say this was a provocative political decision that she made. She wanted to provoke a debate, a discussion, or make a political point, and she got a political response. We shouldn't be politicizing the court. This is not a place to experiment and do these kinds of things. We're already going through where we're debating the legitimacy of the Supreme Court today because people don't like rulings that are inconsistent with Char their views on Charlie, the Charlie, was Paul Martel an experiment, or no, was he a illegitimate candidate who, by the way, joined as clerk and then resigned after the article came out? I think he's, he's reformed. He's reformed. If you tell me the day after he got out of prison, I would not have hired this guy. This was 30 years ago he committed this crime. 30 years ago. We have all 30 years ago. You think you'd be right here? You think your mind has changed 30 years? Sure. Did you learn anything in 30 years? Can you be rehabilitated? Even the child molester. Listen, you're giving a bad example there. But if a child, <laughs> I don't like that example. But you know what? 
don't we encourage rehabilitation? And I'll tell you what, if the child molester, I don't want to advocate for child molesters, but nevertheless, these are people that have, and this guy, as I understand, I never, never met him, but he is reformed. That's the we, poster we, child for rehabilitation. We have to look at this from a case-to-case -case basis, and the people who should have looked at it on a case-by-case -case basis did, made the decisions they made, and in the end, Mr. Martell made the decision himself to step down. Let's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him moving forward with his now high profile and also, of course, uh, the exposure. It's so good to see both of you. Thank you for joining us. Ali Savitt, Washington County Prosecutor. And, of course, Mr. Rowe, we appreciate you joining us. Thank First you. time here on Letter Rip. We'll have yeah. you back what on. What took you right? so long? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I've been calling you for a while. He's in California. <laughs> we'll be back after this. When we come back, two classified document controversies put the current and former president under a microscope. The similarities and differences between President Biden and former President in Trump's cases and how the Justice Department should move forward. Welcome back to Let It Rip, one of the biggest stories in politics right now, the classified documents controversy involving President Biden. And there have been a lot of comparisons made to the situation involving former President Trump and the documents found during a raid at his Mar-a-Lago home. Joining us now to break all of this down, state GOP chair candidate Lena Epstein, who's run for many other offices as well in the Republican Party, and she's very well known. WJR executive producer Ken Brown is also with us. He's been in the entertainment industry for more than four decades and has his hand on the, uh, on the pulse of Politics the polls. Well. Yeah, you do. <laughs> the polls. And Charlie Langton with us as usual as well. All right. So here we go. Uh, let's let it rip. Let's talk about this. Ken Brown, when you take a look at the situation right now, uh, President Biden, when he ran for office, says, I'm going to have the most transparent presidency of any president that you've ever seen. And now the last few days refusing to answer any questions about these boxes that are found in his Delaware home. Uh, does that match up for you? Sure it does. I mean, the boxes, but how long have the boxes been there? Were there windows on his garage? Transparency. Everybody could have looked to have seen them in there. They were there, nobody's bothering them. Just leave them there. Nobody's looking for them. Why, why all of a sudden now we looking for them? But, They've been there. But the fact that you're looking for them, the fact that you even took them out of the White House, the rule of just keeping classified documents where they belong in the White House, both these presidents uh, seem to have kind of loose fingers with this stuff. We didn't hear this about President Obama. We didn't hear this about President George W. Bush. We're hearing this about Biden and Trump. They have a hell of a lot more in common than they'd like to have. Wouldn't you say, Lena Epstein? Well, I find the Biden situation very concerning. The fact that these documents keep getting revealed day after day after day and then we're told that there was another five pages but that's the end of it and they're getting located in different rooms of the house it's very confusing and very unnerving I think right now the American people just feel a general sense of distrust it's not about Republican Democrat or even Trump Biden it's just how do we understand these situations as classified what does it even mean as issues of national security and how do we move forward as a nation to make sure that we protect American freedom but the and democracy difference, Lena is that you have 300 plus documents in President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home in which they were not given up by the former president. There was a raid at that home. Here you have 10 documents that we have at the Delaware home of former President Biden and you have full cooperation. Isn't that a difference? President Trump never broke any laws. But isn't that a difference between 300 documents and having to raid to get them and having 10 documents in which the president is cooperating? Do you think there's a difference? I believe in a situation where the president didn't do anything wrong, that he shouldn't have been raided in the way that he was. And I wept for his family the night that that safe in Mar-a-Lago was broken into. I felt it was wrong, sir. I don't think that the juice justified the squeeze. 
In the end, we might all have differences of opinions, but I never, ever at any point felt that there was any wrongdoing by President Trump, and that was really wrong what happened now. What is the situation with these Biden documents? These, and, and it's very, very Ken, confusing. Ken, you're shaking your head, why? They asked Trump for the documents back then. National Archives said, we didn't get them all. We need to see where they are. They showed them the, the place we put them, put the lock on the door. You didn't give them all back to us. They didn't want to come back. If he'd have gave them all in the first place, they never would have came back. Now the Biden documents. Oh, it's January. No white sales going on, nothing going on. They still voting for Speaker of the House. So nothing's going on. Biden turns the documents in by himself. He could have walked right by him. Just nobody's looking for these things. But Ken, okay. Brown, why, why do why do these? How much former, paperwork does the why government does give? Bi- why do Biden and Trump, who again I think have a heck of a lot more in common when it comes to this document mm-hmm. thing, if they were friends, they could probably commiserate about sure. it. But the fact that you have these classified documents, they're not declassified. Don't take them home with you. Shouldn't the former president? Shouldn't the current president know that? I agree. But look, in the realm of the presidency and vice presidency, four years or whatever. You know how many documents are produced? How many are put in drawers? How many are put in staff? I mean, everybody, I guarantee you, if you go to everybody's place, every vice president's place what's, or president's place, wait, there's documents the there. He there's has something no, there. He's right now, you asked a what's, very basic question. Wait, what's the rule? The president what's of the, the United rule? States. When you leave office, I don't care if you're Trump or Biden, when you are the president, certain documents, you can't take at your own house. Right, no, the he president, president of the state, he yeah, should not be Lena, the same argument could be made for former President Trump, the one that you agreed with about this current president having to know better. Former President Trump should have known better. 300 plus documents sitting in your Mar-a-Lago home and then you stubbornly say you can't come near them and then the raid has to happen. Had he not just given them up, what was he hiding? Why not give them up? Why did there need to be a raid? As a matter of American principle, he didn't want to give them up. He had nothing, he had done nothing wrong and he had nothing to hide. But if they're, if they're not his documents or the American the American people's document. This belongs to the government. These are classified documents. They don't belong in anyone's personal home. What's going on on moving day, Charlie, when these presidents, or in the case of Biden, vice president, are leaving office? I mean, I know it's a rush job because you got to get the new guy in, but my goodness, my it seems as though there could be a little more discretion. I think it's lackadaisical on both of these people, to be honest with you. I think the rule is when you leave office, you leave all your stuff there. These are classified documents. They, it's not their documents. But do we do we need a congressional investigation? Do we need subpoenas? Do we need expert witnesses? Do we need to break into the news? With a, with a, 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 this is per- proclamation. We're going to get to the bottom of this. What's it's, the remedy here? It's messy the business. Re- Don't we all take, here? We take our paperwork Here's the home documents. We're done. We take our paperwork home with us after after work. We all do, but that is so irresponsible with the American we need an information. Investigation. Congress has to Listen, get okay. on okay. lobby. Well, let's not let's right not now. pretend for a moment that this isn't fodder for politics. Let's not pretend for a moment that whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you're using these documents as a way to say, look, my guy or your guy is wrong or my guy's right. Bottom line is they both made the same mistake. If it's 300 documents or 10 documents, and so the question then becomes. What President Trump, the former president, said, where he said, I can claim that I'm protected under the Presidential Record Act because he was a president at the time. And this guy, Mr. President, currently was the VP and is only protected by the Federal Records Act, which there's a difference. And so when you take a look at how these documents should be treated based on what your job was, shouldn't we be treating them differently, Charlie? No. 
I don't think so. No. I think the assessment, I, I haven't looked at these acts, I don't think a whole lot of people have, except <laughs> people for these two, but I think the essential element of this, the, why Congress probably enacted these, was to keep presidential documents away from the person when they're not in office. Mm -hmm. And so, they're both guilty, they're both wrong. I don't know what the remedy here is. Well, you get anything for being honest, Charlie? Do you get anything for being honest? Biden. Give he could have yes, hid those documents. documents. Nobody's checking for these documents, right? He voluntarily gives, hey, I got some documents. Here they are. True enough. Might Oops. not have been able, shouldn't have had them. True it's enough. But no, but, it was weeks, and, weeks after, weeks after. But it doesn't after. matter. He gave them, he could have walked by them things and, and nobody's First of all, you should be worried about an 80 year old guy with a Corvette. That's the first thing you need to be worried about. <laughs> Forget about sketchy. the documents. It's sketchy. That's more, that's the It's like little pieces of information as we go along. Sketchy, sketchy, sketchy to Biden. Biden, sketchy, sketchy. sketchy to Biden, but sketchy to 300 documents sitting in Mar-a-Lago, wouldn't you say? Because here's the bottom line. The former President Trump has said, hey, what if there's Ukraine documents and those 10 documents that Hunter Biden had something to do with and he's trying to protect it and that's why he has them there. Why would he give them up? Because he wouldn't have to. Well, there you go. Bottom line is, hey, the point if, is that someone's If they call this. for him, you got to give him up. He should have gave him up the first time they called. They, they didn't want to raid the house. They didn't want to go down to Florida for him. He didn't give him up. They had to go get him. Then they found some more in his office. Okay, fine. I'll let that go. Don't prosecute him. It's fine with me. Joe Biden, though, you got it. George Washington chops down the cherry tree. Are we going to condemn him for, uh, you know, by the nature of society because he did it? No, he did. He did. I did it. Biden should get credit for saying, look, I messed up. There you go. Hey. And he's president now. He could declassify those documents now, am I right? Well, that's true. He, probably he could do it right now he and could. say that nothing's going on. He but he's trying to be right. Trump's documents. Trump can't cool. declassify them. do that? So does it take okay. the wind out of the sails of some of the Republicans out there who say this was a witch hunt against former President Trump when they're doing the same thing with Biden? Lena? Not at all. I think this is really an example of just how sloppy the Biden administration is. I don't want to spend a lot of time comparing Trump versus Biden. I think in front of us we have information that we have an incomplete set of facts. I want to know what those papers reveal. I think the American people should know. And really, when you know, we, when we get really honest with ourselves, gentlemen, Joe Biden does have some sort of a neurological ailment. I think that he has difficulty remembering things. So if he's holding classified documents on behalf of the American people in different parts of his house, is he possibly forgetting it? Lena, I mean that with no disrespect. No, I, 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 listen, and at the same time, if you have 300 documents that you took with you out of your White House into Mar-a-Lago, one could ask that you were being careless there as well. He felt Bottom that he had is, done nothing wrong. He had nothing to hide. But they're classified documents that don't leave the White House. You don't take them with you. And that's what both presidents here have on their hands. And we're gonna talk about this with final thoughts when we come back on the other side of the break. And now we're back. If both presidents did the same thing, should they both be held to the same account? Lena. I think they certainly should. This is not a Republican-Democrat issue or even Trump-Biden issue. I think right now the American taxpayer wants to know, what do these documents say? Are there any more documents out there? And are we safe and secure as a nation? That is what we're looking for tonight, and that is Maybe what we we'll as taxpayers Maybe we'll get those answers. Can you have about 15 seconds left? Yeah, I don't care. Put them both in jail and let them both go. I don't care. <laughs> Time for a change, I guess. I'm going to Ken Brown. Bring the next one up. Good to see both of you. Charlie, always good to be with always you. Now, thank you for your time. Ken, thank you as well. Right. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip. The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.